Hello, river pissers and blanket friends. I'm Joey. I'm Matt. I'm Kristen. And welcome to Messing with the Master, a podcast where three lifelong Tori Amos fans reflect on the iconic singer-songwriter's catalog by thoughtfully and intentionally reorganizing each album into fresh playlists that explore Tori's musical legacy as well as our own interconnected personal narratives and friendship, which began with a shared passion for Tori's music over 20 years ago. This week, we are tackling Under the Pink, Tori's sophomore album, and perhaps the one most widely regarded as central to helping to shape the 90s alternative rock scene and sound with classics such as Cornflake Girl and God making waves on radio and MTV. So come along, little darlings, come along with us. This is Messing with the Master, Under the Pink. Hey, boys. Hi. Good morning. What's up? How is every? Oh, good morning. It is the morning. Our first morning, morning time show. It's very early morning for some, closer to <sighs> afternoon for others. But we are I'm all, right in the middle. yeah, but we're, we're ready for this, I think. Whew. What a if challenge. we're not ready to talk about Under the Pink, then we're <laughs> bad fans. And um, we've had a lot of time to spend with this album in our lives. But I always listen to it straight through. I never, I mean, Matt, you know, I'm, um, I'm very weird about, um, you know, a playlist generally, but I always listen to this straight through. So this was quite an exercise. I, you know, this, I, I think I've said this to you both in private chat, and this is an album, oddly enough, that I, I don't necessarily feel the strongest connection to um, out of all of them. However, it is the album that really started my fandom over mm -hmm. Tori Amos' yeah, music. Same here. This, is, this is the first album that it, it really just like clicked with me. So I have a complicated past with this album, but it's not the one that I listen to uh, frequently. And I would say it's the album that I listen to the least out of all of the albums, which I know is a crazy thing to say. Yeah, Do you is. guys remember <laughs> when... <laughs> just, yes. Do y'all remember... Of course, when it was just Little Earthquakes Under the Pink and Voice for Pele. And I feel mm -hmm. like you had like a personality type depending on the one you yes. chose or was your go-to. Yes. What were each of your go-tos? Oh. Wow. I would say this this album. It was. Okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. So for me, Little Earthquakes came later. I really liked it. There was something about the style of music on Under the Pink that spoke to me more than Little Earthquakes. And at the time, we'll get into Boys for Pele at some point. Boys for Pele to me at that age, at the time in 1996, was, it felt inaccessible. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wasn't um, seasoned or mature enough to really understand the full scope of Boys for Pele, which made listening to it not as enjoyable. There were more moments of enjoyment on Under the Pink, for sure, for me. Joey, what about you? Yeah, so I also had the experience of Under the Pink being, um, I know we'll get into our sort of real first encounters with it a little more detailed, but um, it was my first my first exposure to Tori. Um, and so some of those songs hold like really like cellular level 
um, you know, the way like you smell something and it sends you back in time and you feel like you're having a literal flashback. Uh, there are moments on this album that do that to me, that bring me back to being uh, 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, and so I identify it, identify with it really strongly. Um, but I would definitely say if we were talking about that sort of, uh, you know, personality quiz, which Tori Amos album are you in mm-hmm. the Holy Trinity? Um, I think that I was very much boys for Pele mm-hmm. because I was a little bit older. I was 14, 15 when it came out. And I was sort of in that mode where I think that exists for teens still just in different ways. But I was really into my like, anything that makes you feel weird or tells everybody right. that you're a little strange or quirky. And because boys for Pele, even, I mean, just the cover is so, um, it's like, stay the fuck away. I have a shotgun. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like everything about it is so abrasive. The sound, the, the visuals, I mean, beautiful, but also dark and strange, dirty mattresses, cows, you know, snakes, um, you know, it's, it's wild. And so I felt like I was connecting. I was also connecting with older girls. I had crushes on who were into Tori, who loved boys for Pele. And were just so into like the weirdness of it, which is, you know, funny to say now, but that's also <laughs> in a so gay boy's life to have, um, women that you know that you're connecting to with musically um but but i will say that secretly i always knew that under the pink was the one um that felt most like a moment in time most like stepping onto like the stage of some like surrealist play or something and start to finish it remains the maybe the only one that i listened to from beginning to end 20 something years later so i actually do listen to it start to finish what were you gonna say matt something snarky I was going to say something snarky. So Under the Pink is basically the album that taught you you were a homosexual. Yeah. I mean, Tori. I love it. Tori's the one who told me that I was a homosexual. No. Or, or, or gave Look me... what you did, Tori. No, no, nobody Grooming. made me gay. God, God made me gay. He came through. That's right. And he gave me. Born gave this me way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, but, but, well, but I will say this, um, you know, do you remember there was a quote by Tori when, um, was it a quote by Tori or did somebody interviewing her say it? Um, but there was something about choir girl. I think I'm conflating two quotes, but when choir girl came out, she, and I think the interviewer who was writing both sort of said that she felt like, uh, or they felt like this was an album that had, um, choir girl had accessible energy for like the straight male listener or something. There was something about it that there was something because it had sort of a Radiohead esque quality Mm -hmm. to it. Like it was maybe an album that could have like, you know, sort of a jock listening to it as well as, you know, a um, witchy feminist. Um, And I, and, and I get what they're saying in that. And I think that if I pull back the inverse is that under the pink sort of captured something in its sensuality and uh, the emotional language of her voice, not just the lyrics, but the emotional like vocabulary of the way she was singing and the way she was sighing and, and the, the sort of intimacy of like something like icicle, which was, you know, one of the first songs that I heard um, that was saying something sort of, um, I don't know that, 
was not easily decipherable unless you were queer. There was something, which I'm sure was also true about yes. female experience and femininity and uh, female sexuality. But I felt sort of like overcome with like being wrapped up in something that she was doing vocally and tonally um, that felt like she was also speaking to me and telling me that there was like going to be like another side to the uh, sort of ennui and angst and fear that I was feeling as a young queer guy. Right, Matt? Hmm. I think I, I think that's a really a really good way to put it. And, you know, not to be too jokey about it, I think you're absolutely right. There is queerness to this album. Oh, yeah. I think it's really important. And I, I think in general in music at that time, I think queerness as a concept, especially like lesbian queerness, was much more prominent than male queerness at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit easier for women to talk about or yeah. um, present as queer in some way, especially yeah. music. Yeah, hmm. I agree. I agree. And what do you think, Kristen? I know Straight nothing person. about this topic. What do you, what I don't do you think, heterosexual? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm racking my brain for something smart to say. I, for me... Going back to the quiz to answer this question is I definitely am a, was and am a boys for Pele person in the Holy Trinity. Yeah. And I think that I like things that make me feel weird and unsettled. And at the time I was a teenager, so very, very angsty. And I think like just that color palette of the blue and gray and all that right. just matched what I had in my head because, you know, the mental illness was popping. And it's like I absolutely loved Under the Pink, too. But um, I think I was – I think I could connect with the – like the surface-level anger of Boys for Pele before I understood the – uh, explorations on like sexuality and deep like relationships in a way that is just a little bit deeper on under the pink. I don't think I was like there yeah. at that time. And I don't think it's something I, you know, now that we're so far into the catalog and we kind of have our go-tos, I don't know that I think about that. Even when they chose to play um, Bells for Her on Yellow Jackets, it's, you know, it's like, I love Tori anywhere, but I was like, I don't yeah. know that I would have chosen that song. I absolutely yeah. understand why. I think it's great, but it just, I was like, I don't know, but it's such a, that those relationships with those characters, that makes total sense. I think there's, maybe there's, Matt, you've noticed this with me before where you've kind of like been like, there's something with me and in intimacy maybe. <laughs> and so maybe there's a block there that I can't like connect with it. I don't know. That's weird. I, I am your therapist. Yes. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's intimacy. I think it's romance, remember? But but I feel like despite all the heartache and under yes, and under the pink though, the romance, it's like um a heartbreaking intimacy. It's like it's like how they go together, the dark side of romance almost. And not in an angry boys for Pele way, which I think is very right. accessible to boys some for, of us who boy, are crazy. Boys for oh sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that the, the romance of Under the Pink is in the relationships that the protagonist or Tori has with her friends and her female yeah. friends in particular. Mm. Yeah. And as I was right. as I was going through the record, those moments of um, love or intimacy with men felt almost out of place, the songs, because the, re because the album is so firmly about 
woman to woman love and woman to woman violence and woman to woman betrayal even the the more religious stuff has undercurrents of that um what's interesting it's so funny to hear you guys talk about the romance of under the pink because i think that i don't it's not romantic to me it's um boys for pele is like a like bleeding wound mm-hmm. but um under the pink is like a beautiful um purple bruise you know and it's it's there's a lot of hurt there and there's also this like knowing um kind of smirk i feel like smirks and sighs are the ways i would right talk about under the pink like she like she knows she's going to be disappointed by the men she and and she's most alarmed and and scared by uh the betrayals from the women right like there, there's almost a like an understanding like a like a there's an anticipation of the hurt that comes from the men but um but isn't women, that like the belief deeper. in romance like that's mm-hmm. the belief in romance is that or to get there you have to believe in romance first right no oh sure no sure like i think she's no i i get what you're saying like i feel like she's um she's hopeful like she, maybe yeah, like, I know what you're saying. Like, there can't be cynicism without optimism. There can't be skepticism right. without belief. There can't be love without hate. Like, like all these things are true. There has to be a, there has to be um, a, a chocolate song said within the tension of the opposites. Um, even though we booted that, two out of three of us booted it off the record. Um, that's justice for everybody. chocolate song. Cho- justice for justice chocolate, for chocolate song. song. Hashtag um, justice <laughs> for chocolate. Song. But weirdly, weirdly, when I say that, I'm like, huh, that could sort of be like. In another planet, like a B sides under the pink, um, but I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I just I think that there's I think there's so much hurt, but there's like um, there, there's a steely hurt that that she it was a grace to under the pink. It's one of the reasons why I love it so much and think that uh, production wise too, it is the most cohesive and it sounds like it's all of one world in a way that the other albums don't quite achieve as well i think maybe scarlet's walk gets that in a lot of ways um but it's different like that's a that is a different type of structural cohesion that um under the pink part of it is john philip chanel part of it i think so this is where the romance comes in because i think that the romance there is eric and tori in love making mm. this record as perfect as it can be but obviously that that relationship ended by the time that album even came out and she was touring it i'm pretty sure so um or during the tour so mm-hmm. there was this um maybe realization that this was the last thing they were going to make together um so so maybe that's where that romance that you're feeling comes from it comes from the actual like suturing and molding mm-hmm. of this record um because i just think it's so pitch perfect i think there's not a bad song and bad you know that's a totally subjective word anyway but there's not like there's no filler on this record there's not a single song that i don't think really holds by itself and could be placed elsewhere the strength of this track listing and the order that's what makes it so tough because i find that it's actually sequenced in the best possible way so what i had to finally give myself over to was really truly messing with it yeah. in a way that that felt uncomfortable um but mm-hmm. i feel i don't think there'll be another album where i feel more insecure about playing with the track listings because i'm so i'm so attached to the way this is uh sequenced like um yeah we'll talk more about it later when we get into it but i feel very that's how i felt about i feel Scarlet's very unnerved Walk. about it i get it yeah yeah 
I was shook over Scarlet, you know. I was texting the <laughs> chain a lot. I know. I know. But you did it. You did a good job. Joey, do you want to get us started and let us know where you first heard this record and maybe how the record first came to you? Oh yeah. It's it's such a it's such a core memory in my mind. I it was in it was I was in my house. My nobody was home but me and my sister. Uh, and she was listening to Waitress from behind a closed door. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I thought it was a whole song or like, I, I, I just didn't know what I was hearing. And I was, you know, again, I was 12. This was 94. Um, and so the album was not, so it just been released pretty recently. And I knocked on her door. I was like, what are you listening to? Like, what is this? You know, being, being an obnoxious younger brother, um, and I made some sort of crack about how, how terrible it was, how it sounded like shit. Like I, I was being just a little asshole. Um, and she said, no, 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 come here, come here. Listen to this, listen to this. And she made me come in and she shut the door. She was like lying on like a pillow with like her legs up on her dresser, like in total like 90s teenage girl. You know what I mean? Like no TV in the room. Um, Boombox listening to a cassette of Under the Pink. And she Staring made, at the wall. Staring at the wall. Made she she made me sit down and listen to Icicle with her, and I was like, and I was like, what? And I don't know what happened, but by the time Icicle ended, I was like, my life is different. I'm a changed human being. I need to hear all of this. And we listened to the whole record again. She had borrowed the cassette from her friend Christina, um, cassette of Under the Pink, and she had the cassette of Little Earthquakes. And I was like, whoa, what are these mushroom dicks? Like, I was like what, what is going on? Like opening the the accordion um, and was just so perplexed. Like, what am I even looking at? Is this like a scotch tape roll? What is this picture? Like, I didn't even know what, like, there's something about under the pink that is so like, what what are these images even? Like, where is she? Like, mm -hmm. what are these shards? What is this light? What is this? Like, there's something so um, ghostly about it. Um, listen to it all. And then we listened to Little Earthquakes and then, we uh, got our cousin Lauren into it, and then suddenly all three of us were listening to these albums kind of religiously and making mixes and sharing it. And um, that all led up to, uh, you know, a year and a half later, we were in line day of to buy Under the Pink at the Borders in the mall, you know? So it was just this um, incredible, like, buildup. And just this, like, also this, like, weird thing of wanting to share it with everybody, but also wanting to keep it a secret. Mm -hmm. which I think people really, I don't know if people feel that way about music anymore, but it felt very true in the nineties. Like you both wanted accolades for your favorite, but you also didn't want too many people to listen to your favorite. Um, so I really distinctly remember that. And I think we eventually went and bought our own copies, we, but we probably had a, like a dubbed, you know, two, two track recording it for a while uh, before we got, our own cassettes and then eventually got CDs. I don't think we got CDs of it until we got Boyce or Pele and then we went back and we bought, and I wish I'd kept my long boxes because there were still long boxes then. Um, but also in between that, you listen to Under the Pink and then you discover, oh, there's this EP of covers with Smells Like Teen Spirit. And then you realize, oh, there are all these random singles of these other songs. Like what is going on? Like, so mm -hmm. that whole unfurling, like there was so much to discover. And also the last thing I'll say is in between Under the Pink and Boyster Pele, um, we were down the shore a lot because our cousin uh, Lauren's parents uh, 
Tony and Janet owned a shore house. Um, and there was a record shop that had imports and there were all of these bootlegs of live performances from 92 and 94. And I couldn't afford any of them. They were so expensive. They were like $44 in 1994. It was crazy. And so I couldn't really afford any of them. Um, I think that they knew, like her sister knew uh, a guy, the guy who ran it, I think his name was Sam. And I think he maybe gave me a deal on like one and I had to like choose what I was going to get. And there were videos too. And it was just such a moment. It was such a moment. They called them imports, but they were bootlegs. And it was just like, my mind is exploding with all this content. And there were only two albums at the time. So imagine, uh-huh. right? Um, so that memory, it's all, it's like, it's like months of memories compounded, but that was the initial. I'll never forget being in the house, the voice of Tori echoing and me knocking on my sister's door. And if I hadn't, I wonder what, you know, what things would be like if I hadn't knocked on the door to ask her what she was listening to, you know? I love that. Kristen, yeah. tell us, why don't you tell us also um, how young you are? Let's, let's, mm. let's. Um... Right. We can do round robin on ages if we need to. There's no age <laughs> shame here. Come on. <laughs> okay. So in 1994, I was 10 years old. So my <laughs> first memory of Under the Pink was not when it came out. I discovered Tori in 96. And um, it's it's a bit um, condensed with my memory of Little Earthquakes because I had a friend whose sister loved Tori. She was older than us. Her older sister loved Tori and she was mm-hmm. listening to Little Earthquakes. We'll talk about this in the Little Earthquakes episode. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I need this. I want this. And then I immediately went to... Uh, Sam Goody, I believe it was, and bought everything that was out that I could get at the time. Um, And so I was listening and learning Little Earthquakes at the same time as Under the Pink. And I just really, you know, I think being so young at that, so 96, I was 12. So being so young, I think it was easier to connect with Little Earthquakes. Um, Again, I think Under the Pink is just a little bit complex, at least for where I was. Um, uh, But yeah, and I remember eventually, you know, something I I very, very vividly remember listening to Pretty Good Year. And I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. And you're like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) And then just being like, damn, this bitch is crazy. I love her, you know? And just over time, that went taking longer for me to connect to. And I, but really getting there and just being like, wow, I can't, I can't wait to see what she, what, what comes next. And that was right when Voice for Pele came out as well. It was the same time. So what about you, Matthew? Well, at the time I was living in, in Michigan in the Detroit area and, um, I had just started exploring like the gay scene. So all of my memories are again tied to queerness for this record, specifically because I was going to gay bars for the first time in my life. I was meeting gay people for the first time in my life. And it's really funny how I first heard this music. There was a drag queen at a bar in Detroit called the gold coast i believe the gold coast still exists it is in a really rough really scary neighborhood and the girls that go there to perform and hang out you know they're not going to be on rupaul's drag race they're a little they're a little they're a little rough so um this this particular drag queen i remember (laughs) i don't remember her name but she performed cornflake girl 
Whoa. She wow. was obsessed with Tori. And um That's fun. It was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a very good performance. The wig was <laughs> really dusty. It was really, no. you know, you know, it, it was, you know, kind of cockeyed. But um Aww. that's the that was my first exposure. I'm not even making this shit up. But um I was I was <laughs> I was not entranced by the drag queen. I was more entranced <laughs> by the song. And I, I I mean, like, to be fair, that's a tough drag song. So I can't imagine that performance at all. So I sought out the record after that, and um, I had seen Tori before on MTV, and I kind of shrugged her off. I didn't really connect with what I was seeing. Um, my first exposure to Tori in general was Little Earthquakes, um, the video for Silent All These Years. I saw it, and I, I think I maybe gave it an eye roll, like, this isn't for me. So it took this drag queen's performance to really bring me back into the fold. I think Tori would really appreciate that if I told her. I think so. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. she loves drag queens too, but that mm -hmm. was my first exposure. And um, yeah, Michigan in 1994 was uh, an innocent time. Oh. I love that. And we should clarify, I'm sure you were going to those bars with a fake ID, right? No, no, no. You could get in when you were 18 to any bar oh. in, Detroit, in the Detroit area. Um, Gosh. You just couldn't I mean, I was, they would serve you too. They didn't care. <laughs> um, and also, we were right across the, the river from Windsor, Ontario. Okay. So when you turned 19, you could, at that point, at that time, since I'm 100 years old, you didn't have to have a passport to get into Canada. So I, you wow. could, so you drive across the Windsor, the uh, Ambassador Bridge, and you would go to the gay bar there, which upstairs was, it's called the Happy Tap. And upstairs was just trashy gay bar. And then downstairs was a fully nude male strip club oh my god shit so that's what Whoa. i was doing when i was listening to under the pink i was driving Holy across dude. the ambassador bridge i i couldn't go in there i, I was too I, I wouldn't go to the strip club i was too um freaked out by it it scared me but i would drive you know across the ambassador bridge um high and drunk and that was no problem but i couldn't make myself go Not into the naked you. strip club i was Not such a prude I was, such a, I was a prude i couldn't help it Oh, how things have changed. Indeed. Indeed. So speaking of change, I think it's time to mess with the master and share these track lists. Um, I should have taken my inhaler puff before because I'm so stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be okay. Stress. I'll be okay. I'm yeah, tempted right. to make Joseph go first since he's oh. the one who's having like a meltdown. <laughs> or make him wait or make him wait it out. Make him you sweat it out. Okay. I know what we're doing. Matthew. Matthew's going first because okay. Matthew said this is the one he connected with the least. And so I'm yeah. so curious <clears throat> how he messed with the master. Okay. Yes, um, let's hear it. Okay, so I wanted to just really get in there and fuck it up. I just uh -huh. I, I, I had no reverence for any of this because I don't have such a strong emotional connection to this record. I don't listen to it beginning to end. We're I gonna clip just... that and we're gonna add Tori and fuck you up. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. 
You can you can put it in the preview and I'll just send her a text. How about you that? Just text her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. Here we go. Got we're it, talking about it. Uh, anyway. Got it. Now, now we're right, throwing so, weight around. Now the balls are on the table. I get it. Uh-huh. I get it. All right. My balls are not quite on the table yet. It's a little early for that. <laughs> um, so for Under the Pink, um, something I thought about a lot when I was putting the playlist together and when I was listening to the record, which obviously is an insanely good record, the sophomore curse, right? So there was a lot of expectation to live up to after Little Earthquakes. Um, yeah. Rightfully so. Little Earthquakes was like, it's one of the great debut albums, I think, ever. And that's just me being objective about it. I think it's truly Absolutely. one of the best. So to follow that up, it's a really tricky balancing act, right? So it needed to expand on the mythology that she already created about herself and the worlds that she already created. And it still needed to be uh, accessible enough musically to not alienate the people that she uh, impressed with the first record, but it also needed to grow that audience. So there was, it was a really tall order what she needed to do with Under the Pink. And I think we should really give a lot of credit to her for being so careful with the songwriting and the composition. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know that most artists would be able to show that kind of restraint. And I think there's a real amount of restraint and editing and purposefulness Mm -hmm. to Under the Pink, meticulousness. And I'm not saying that's not on the other records, but I think for this record in particular, it was really, um, it was really uh, present. So one quote that I, I read, and this is something I went back and I looked at the Pop Matters, Tori Amos performer spotlight that Joseph and I edited and put together. Wrote, wrote and, a lot of, yep. And wrote a lot of, and I'm going to put some of this in um, our social media, some links, but um, Tori said, on Little Earthquakes, you saw me naked and with Under the Pink, I put some clothes on. So mm. I thought that really described encapsulated what she was going for perfectly Mm -hmm. so with that being said i start this record out with bells for her oh shit and my feeling was like there's so many moments of audacious composition why not start it with I, i i think this is a really challenging song in general the the sound of it the prepared piano the the lyrics which are i think you know joseph you brought up ghostliness i feel like they are it's like some somebody speaking to you from the other side so i wanted to start it with that and i i thought on yellow jackets i thought it was perfectly placed i thought it was a really impressive choice um i thought cornflake girl was more of the obvious choice for the show Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so i was happy that they also used bells for her so i want and i also thought you know um, uh, through the portal, they can make amends. Can't stop what's coming. Can't stop what is on the way. Can't stop what's about to happen on this record. So from there, we go to Cornflake like Girl, that. which is, I think, just such a good uh, juxtaposition, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all heard Cornflake Girl a lot in our lives. And probably for those of us who go to shows, we've heard it more times than we may care right. to hear it. Um, wow. I, I will say listening to it to put together this record was fun. I don't 
always skip this song, even though I've heard it probably more than any other song. But yeah, I think it is the central thesis of this record. So I think it's important to have it up front. From Cornflake Girl, uh, we go to The Waitress, which Ooh. I like stylistically how it bumps. And now I'm never going to not think about Joey going to his sister's room and hearing the sounds <laughs> of the waitress as a 12 year old. That's, that's going to live rent free in my head for the rest of my life. Suburban so, New yeah. Jersey, young man. <laughs> that's right. Hmm, what is this? All of a sudden here's the waitress turns gay. <laughs> um, from the waitress. Icicle I, turned me gay. Correction. Okay. Ooh. That's, that's fair. Okay. I think Icicle may have turned you into a lesbian. from the waitress i go to yes anastasia wait i'm just gonna er, that's an early placement it is but you i i think you have to get through anastasia early i think it i think it just needs to happen i don't want to wait for it i don't want to uh-huh. hold it for last there was yeah. a version of this playlist that started with yes anastasia sure i thought about yeah. that too i thought about it uh-huh. as the beginning too yep mm-hmm. i think i think that would be a fun way to do it in an alternate universe is like uh treating this album as the the journey of anastasia romanoff right yeah sure so oh, yeah. from anastasia i go to honey which we all know belongs on this album um Honey is a good song. The production is really good on it. It's so good. And I like it after the austerity and the formality of Anastasia, that kind of like Mm -hmm. warm, sexual. I think it's a really sexy song. Also notice how the, um, don't the, don't, don't you find in listening to it, again in this way that um there's also there's a there's a conversation between cornflake girl and honey that happens because the guitar work kind of mimics right that acoustic guitar work sort of mimics cornflake girl a little bit right yeah 100 Um, something really interesting happening there with the sort of vibe that they're both going for i can see where she you probably didn't want that twice right yeah, where she may yeah. have agonized over making that cut because it's such a good song. But at the same time, uh, I think she probably didn't want to repeat herself, but I think she did repeat herself a little bit. I'll get to that in a minute because okay. I do cut <laughs> some things from this playlist. Here we um, go. So after Honey, I go into Pretty Good Year, mm-hmm. um, which... I struggled with the placement for pretty good year. Um, sure. Part of me, part of me wanted to have it at the end as the final song, but I thought mm, that seems a little bit too much like a set list. So from pretty good year, I went to space dog from space dog to cloud on my tongue. Mm. After cloud on my tongue, I went ahead and added a non album track. I added, take me with you. Oh, interesting. Hey. which why? Wow. I know, I know it's wild, but I I feel like the the themes wait the imagery time out. time out. That's the one she didn't finish in ninety four, right? I think it's actually a little earthquake song, but we'll we'll allow it. No, it's fine. I just couldn't yeah. remember the timeline on where it fit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was between Little Earthquakes and Under the Pink. 
And it, yeah, I think it, it was just music and not. You no know who will know? Is yes yeah. said. I'm going to go to yes said. Continue to talk while I look it up. Yeah. I just need to know. Sure. So take me with you. I thought because of the guitars and sort of the the um, elements of eroticism, I really thought it belonged on this record. And I needed a little bit more of. I need a little bit more atmosphere at this point in the record. And I it, I think for me, it, it started to veer more into a collection of songs that were mostly piano with a little bit of orchestration. And I didn't think sonically that was super interesting to listen to in a playlist. So you're less interested in solo songs in general, I find, right? Like you're a little bit more interested in some percussion I, or some innovation of sound a little bit i mean is that, is that fair yes yes and no um i just i think on an album or on a playlist too many of those similar sounding songs for me i lose i lose interest a little bit so i need a little bit yeah more variation or a little bit of something so um after sorry hang on one second my phone okay so after take me with you i go into icicle and from icicle <laughs> oh, we pairing. go into yeah. yeah and from icicle we go into pass the mission pass sure. the okay. pass the mission into sister janet Oh, say more and, there. Say more about sister because the mission and the Jan is the sister, of course. Um, right. I'm curious, <laughs> <clears throat> curious, curious about how this B side made the album. Say a little more. Sure. So let me tell you what my final song is, and then it may oh. make more sense. So my final okay. song is God, ah, and Icicle oh, like past the mission, Sister Janet, God. Those okay. four, to me, belong together. Um, I like they're all, that. They have elements of religion, imagery of the church, um, and they're all different enough to exist together in that space. I added Sister Janet because there wasn't a true solo piano moment on the record without it. I love the song. I think it's one of the B-sides that I've, most responded to i remember when i first heard it i immediately was like wow i love this song i can't believe it um so i got rid of two songs um i got rid of the wrong band which okay i've i've never really done anything other than skip it's not my favorite song <laughs> but whatever so for me the playlist was fine without it and I then also removed Baker Baker, which I felt like I was getting the same essence, the same vibe from Cloud on My Tongue. It has the same feeling. I didn't need more piano orchestration for me, for my listen. Um, that's it. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. That is fascinating, but I, I, I'm oh. I'm happy with the way it all I'm happy with the way it all worked out. And um, listening to it, "Cloud on My Tongue" really stands out for me. Um, it's a song that I can listen to all the time, live, 
on the record, even on Goldust, I like it. So that was a, a pure joy for me. Okay. To just listen um, over and over. Kristen, tell us about your yeah. playlist and what's happening. So our listeners definitely need to go and listen to Matt's playlist first before we go into my playlist. I'll, I'll let you pause. Go ahead and pause. And now I'm going to do my playlist. <laughs> listen to a full album and then Listen come to back. a full album. To full come album back. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. We'll see you in an hour. Mm. And then, you cut. yeah. Um, so mine's very different. And um, I definitely pulled some stunts, some tricks, <laughs> you know. You know I do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... We start with Yes Anastasia because wow. I know. Okay. So a few things. No, I, like I know it. it's so stunty. It's so stunty. I can see Matthew's face. <laughs> so a few reasons. Like, you know, I love the connections between the albums. And I took a very literary approach with this where I really dove into Yes Said and I read a lot of excerpts from interviews and kind of Tori's thoughts on, because there's so much documentation around this time of her interviewing and talking about the songs. And so I went full literary and I, and I didn't remember this, but you know, Poppy and the song is from silent all these years. I didn't remember that. She's the girl in silent all these years. And mm. I was like, I love that connection, that bridge between the last world, little earthquakes and the new world <laughs> under the pink. Um, I also love one thing she said about this song, or at least in relation to this song, she said, you can't blame men anymore. And since there's so much loss and so much conflict between men men and women and women and women in this, I thought that was a really nice way to start this album because it gets really deep on what happens after the blame and this, you know, the dissolving of these relationships and really looking at them in that under the pink type of way. Let's move on. So uh, since I went very literary, I kind of almost took the the theme, like the like you know the gardens beekeeper theme. So we're our next kind of garden we're moving into, mm. <laughs> although it's a desert garden because we're in Taos. Um, this one I call clicks in places that we don't belong. So this is God with the main theme of how the church treats women, and then wrong ban, which is how women treat or men treat women. Mm. especially men empowered treat women yes cornflake girl cornflake girl and then waitress which is women treating women badly in various uh you know various states so i uh it was interesting to pair those four together they sound weird together on a playlist but i was like Mm -hmm. hey again i since i listened to this straight through we're messing with it we're just going purely literary theme and i realized just how much about this album is about how shitty people treat people. I don't, I don't remember that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So after all that hatred and misogyny and, and, um, you know, just general bad vibage, we, our sexual energy has been built up. Right. And we are going to icicle cause we need to, rub it out i mean what else do you do right you gotta release the tension you gotta release the tension i know also waitress to icicle like that that abruptness is like it's just very jarring in that tory way that i love um so i actually love love the way those flow together then after icicle honey because it's a, a dirty little song um but also, since i went literary and i was reading the interviews tory said in 2015, she said, honey is the glue of under the pink. So I put it right in the middle. 
And I really like that idea of sticking that glue in the middle where maybe she wished she would have. Um, I almost thought that about sound, leaving it as a, go ahead. That sounds very provocative. Oh, does it? Well, that image of Tori covered in honey naked. I love is, it. She's, she's telling us, you know. That's true. That's she's true. telling us. Um, so that song's so dirty. I thought about, I thought about just leaving it as a B-side because I really think it can stand on its own. I can't actually imagine it on the album, but again, we went literary. So I was like, it's the literal and uh, metaphorical glue. So we're going, um, after honey, we go to peeping Tommy. (laughs) I know. I love that. I didn't even think about that. I know that Matthew's always making fun of me for my love of peeping Tommy, but I think it is the most vulnerable she's been. Like, if a handful of her songs' vulnerability, I think it's that that voyeurism, looking at the the, the most intimate parts of somebody, like looking yeah. from the outside, um, and just mm-hmm. like knowing that you're not all there, you're not all ready. This disassociation thing, yeah. um with this person you love that romance that person you love and there's something not there and then we just go into hardcore loss after peeping tommy we go black swan baker baker she's losing this man he's can't he's gone um the loss theme continues with bells for her (laughs) hi my husband just walked in while i'm recording our podcast uh, bells for her loss cloud of my tongue like loss you know like this just am, am i alone in this world am i alone in this um and then past the mission she once knew a hot girl that's herself and after all of this loss heartache um you once knew her but there's a bit of hopefulness there too that maybe you can find her again and the acknowledgement of she was whole at some point or she was, you know, feeling herself at some point. So that that line is so devastating, but there's a hopefulness to that album or that song, sorry. Uh, and then we go to Space Dog. I just needed like a fun little jaunt after all that like soul, soul yeah. destruction. I just needed to like pop mm-hmm. it up, you know? Um and then we go to Pretty Good Year. I closed it with Pretty Good Year, which I think is an easy thing to do. Like, it's totally easy. Um, and I think because she's been doing that live sometimes, there's that association. I do love it as an opener more. Uh, but so one thing I wrote in my notes, and I wanted to hit on this and why I put it last, is in this story, despite all of the loss and heartache, there's an acknowledgement of it being a pretty good year. Maybe also a little bit of the smirkiness. Maybe she doesn't really believe it. Maybe it's somebody mentioned the smirkiness and the size, the smirks, all that happening behind the scenes. Maybe it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but maybe there's like hope there too, that you grew, you saw, you know, there was something to take out of it. And Mm, so that's how I ended it. And I ended up fucking loving my playlist. I didn't (laughs) think I was going to. I love it. Good job. That is a really good playlist. I, yeah. I'm i curious about the inclusion of Black Swan. I thought about mm. it a lot. There's something about it that feels so um, unstructured to me that it doesn't feel like it would possibly, like the way that Matt was describing the carefulness of Under the Pink, 
like Mm -hmm. black swan feels anything but so it feels Mm -hmm. so distinctly but it's such a special song it's so beautiful the melody is so amazing um i get why you did it but i i couldn't find a way to add it um because um because of that sort of like languid improvisational feeling Mm -hmm. that it has didn't feel like it sort of had a place on the record but i'm glad that you did it because i'm glad somebody i think it's yeah, I think it's a real B-side. Like, I think it's a true B-side. Yeah. Um, but that Peeping Tommy, there's like a little bit of like a languid kind of yeah. vibe of Peeping, yeah. Peeping Tommy too. And if you put Peeping Tommy, Black Swan, and Baker Baker, it is just like a, tr- a trinity yeah. of loss. So, but yeah, I agree. That's, that song is a B-side to me forever and always. Sure. So. Do you remember yeah. when we heard, I, th- I think it was definitely the first time I ever heard Black Swan. We were at that Camden show in 2002 where we sat next to... Uh, Tori's parents and mm-hmm. Tori did Black Swan with the band and she looked over at her mother and said right on mama remember that we were sitting right in front of right them next to her and she was all teary eyed and Tori was looking right. at her and said right on mama, mama. Um, and that was also oh. the night that her father was just telling us in great detail about how much money professional widow made them remember <laughs> he was like how he told us his favorite song was floating city Yes. I'll never yes. forget that. Loading City was his favorite Reverend. song. We had such an amazing conversation with them. It was so He yeah. also told me to save my soul because no one else will. And like yeah. that's kind of my yeah. Roman Empire sometimes. I'll just be like <laughs> cleaning out my closet, like doing stuff, and I'm like, what did he mean? Mr. Ed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you does know, that mean? You you bring up something interesting um in that I think we've all had some really great live moments with these songs. These, these songs have had a lot of reinventions live. These songs have Mm -hmm. had a lot of different arrangements. Um, The, the one that keeps coming back to my mind is this past tour when we were in New York at the first night of the New York shows and she pulled out of thin air waitress but to close the, the way show. she the, the to close the show the way she used to do it mm-hmm. in 98 and we all <laughs> every single person that was in that that place was just like oh my fucking god and then of course like the greatest part of that was we got to tell her in boston when we got to go back and see her how much she just rocked our faces off and she loved it. And then she kept playing it. So it was really, really great to hear waitress on this last tour because she really went for it. Yeah. Yeah. Unexpected. And I think probably tapped into something so different from, you know, 30 years ago and so different from, um, you know, 20 years ago or whenever she was playing it on, the plug tour 20 something years ago. Um, okay. And, and she, it, and it was no big deal. She was just like, Oh, you guys liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We fucking liked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, but that just shows like the difference between like what we think of artists and their relationship to what they're doing, whether like it's an actor or, or a musician, like th- we can never, as much as we think we know the woman we call Tori and what makes her tick. Um, and in some ways, we, we, we do on personal levels, Matthew more than us, obviously, because he has this working relationship with her. But it doesn't matter how much you study or observe or watch the patterns over the years. Um, you can never know what's really inside the mind, the intention, and the, um, the you know, 
that connection or lack of connection. Like I always think of Madonna. Um, this feels like a very unrelated thing. Um, a Madonna or like a Liz Fair, um, who are very different musicians, but <clears throat> two musicians who very publicly like kind of say that they don't have deep connections to their songs. Like hmm. they don't, they don't, they don't, they, they don't like or care about most of their music. And they're very yeah. upfront about that. Like it's just something recorded in time. That's, you know, they don't play most of their songs live. Right. Like it's a very interesting thing that I think is probably true for a lot of musicians. Um, it's not true for Tori. Uh, by and large, but I think that we also, um, at our own peril, misunderstand her relationships because they're different than ours. And I think she wants us to have our own relationships to her songs. I don't think she wants mm -hmm. us to rely on what she feels or thinks about her music, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Matt. Oh, you want to say something for me? I'm, I'm ready. Bring it. Let's okay. see. Let's hear this playlist. I'm ready. So, in, so unsurprisingly, in some ways, it's sort of a fusion between the intention that you that you each had, I sort of grouped it into different categories um, that somehow worked sonically really, really well in terms of dynamics. So my, and it pains me to change the opener, but I challenge myself because I love Pretty Good Year so, so much. Um, but in this, in this version, I also want to say that I thought about how would Tori sequence this album now? How would the Tori of mm. 2024 sequence this record? And that really was a guiding force for me. Um, I want to tell you in advance, I cut nothing. I just added. So it's a longer record. Um, <clears throat> so it begins with Cloud on My Tongue, which for oh. me is the thesis of Under the Pink. And I think no, al no song on the record um, embodies the mood, the voice, the sound, the feeling, the color, the texture of the album more than Cloud on My Tongue. Cloud on My Tongue is an all-encompassing representation of under the pink to me when i look at the cover of the album that's that's a cloud on my tongue right like the artwork is cloud on my tongue mm -hmm. um and it also speaks to the queerness of the record again um i i, I did a little deep yeah. dive into it because i wanted to know more about the imagery of violets and in the early mm -hmm. part of the 20th century lesbians in paris who studied and celebrated the works of sappho uh wore violets mm. on their clothes wow yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that sort of double really? entendre of the if I ate her, if I hate her, um, the Borneo, yeah. the cannibalism, and, and they could have done something really, maybe they still could do something a little bit creepy with uh, those lyrics on uh, Yellow Jackets for a future cannibalism scene. Um, so we go from Cloud on My Tongue to Waitress. That transition Ooh. from the end of Cloud on My Tongue to that those drums, it's really something. Um, and from Waitress, we go to Cornflake Girl. So I placed it early as well. Like it. And after Cornflake Girl comes Bells for Her. So I have this sort of suite of those songs that are about that feminine betrayal that is so prominent. So for me, that sort of like anchors the beginning of the record. Um, and Bells for Her, the ending of, um, you know, and I see it, <clears throat> excuse me, I see it coming and it's on its way, um, leads into Space Dog because Space Ooh. Dog is this like uh, jettisoning of us to the future. Um, we're going forward with it, but she is still mired. That ending of Space Dog in some ways to me really mirrors the ending of Cloud on My Tongue. There's that circuity of it um, that I think is really interesting. So we have almost what happens in the beginning um, not quite midpoint of the record, but in the beginning of this new section of the record. Um, 
that I think is really, really important. And there's also that sort of space dog, you know, um, I think she's even said like space dog, the heavens, like the big guy upstairs, like she, like she makes the connection between space dog and something heavenly, something otherworldly, mm-hmm. something celestial. Um, and so we go from space dog into icicle because I think mm-hmm. that from space dog, she gets that permission to almost go back in time to childhood and that relationship to religion. Um, cause icicle is about sort of embodying and wrapping yourself in spirituality and sensuality, but then also pushing it back out and rejecting it. You know, I, you know, um, the good book is missing some pages. I'll take from my body instead. It's a really pivotal moment of rejecting something. Um, and that empowerment carries us over to pass the mission, mm-hmm. which which has that smirk. It is like she like is stuck in this Magdalene story. Um, and it's so um, it's like painful and joyful but almost in like an i told you so kind of way there's something a little bit like jokey about past the mission and having trent reznor on it feels just so um it's so of the moment it's so it's so iconic to have him singing and almost not realizing that um she's almost making fun of him and his sort of like there there's something that she's doing that's Mm. that's prodding and playing with him and he is so uh serious and quiet in it that it's um i don't know it sort of embodies a lot of the intention and the mood of that song for me to have him on it and so from past the mission we go to god because you have to go to god because god is you know this ultimate snark do you need a woman to look after you Mm -hmm. like how blasphemous can you get but it's also sexy and fun and you have those crazy raging guitars that are so you know as many people listening know but those who maybe don't they had to make three versions of god mm-hmm. to send to radio because the guitars were so abrasive and so unsettling that they were like nobody's going to play this you have a song called god it is already going against the patriarchy and it has these like <clears throat> you know screeching so um these like screeching um abrasive accosting uh, guitars and you know um, it's such an interesting moment of the production matching the message of the song in, in a really interesting way so we get through that sort of block of the vulgar and the spiritual the profane and the um, you know uh, the virgin and from there we move into the suite of songs that are about these romantic relationships and we go to pretty good year where I think that she is sort of observing this um male energy dwindling and having empathy or or sympathies for it but you know as she has said there was one bootleg where she says no pity right before she sings this like she feels for greg but no pity um Mm -hmm. because she's not you know so there's kind of this like waiting around for this 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 guy this you know this baby to be all right and he's not all right um it doesn't work because he is not um he's not found himself in the way that she's found herself. So mm. in the waiting, then comes the next stage of the um, of grief where she is both angry and rationalizing and trying to reason. And that comes in the form of honey. So Ooh. we get honey after a pretty good year. Um, and for me, after honey gives that kind of release, Baker Baker comes where there is a wistful, nostalgic, um, you know, 
he's gone, he's far away, um, but she's thinking about him and she still wonders if he's okay. Uh, but if you see him, say hi, because she's not going to. She's not going to go there again, but you know, you want that. So sad. Yeah, she wants that sort of intermediary um, to send the message along, but she can't do it herself. Mm. And that's another thing about, you know, the voice and the ways in which messages come uh, from us directly or have to be sort of sent through other mediums to get to people. Um, That's certainly true in the tension between her and uh, the women on the record and the betrayal that they experience. that she experiences by them. Um, but also that bells for her, like you you can't get that message across to her. There's nothing I could do, right? Um, and Space Dog is all about miscommunication and mm-hmm. how we transport messages to each other. Um, so after Baker Baker, we take a really interesting swing and we go to the wrong band because I feel like I am such a staunch lover of the wrong band. I think it is so, even by it. Tori herself, I don't understand that, that she doesn't see or others don't see um there's that playfulness um to me it does what happy phantom does not do um it gives us a sort of that musical theater kind of um you know Mm -hmm. burst but the content what it's about i mean the fact that it's about her playing you know playing in those hotels in dc and befriending a prostitute who learns something that she that she's not supposed to it's it's just this like really um this really unique and quirky um version of a lot of the themes on the record coming to fruition in this really playful way but i love that ending just that you know she says it's time i open my eyes don't be afraid to open your eyes maybe she's right maybe she's right that clarity i think is so needed and it's said so um so simply in, in such a forthright way that I think to lose it for me, like I couldn't lose it. I think it, 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 it says something really profound. Um, and we take a really another detour from there into yes, Anastasia, that clarity then mm. allows her to go on this journey. Um, but I don't end with yes, Anastasia, which, which I love and which features my favorite subtle moment on the whole record. We'll get to it at the very end. Um, but I put yes, Anastasia there, but we don't end there. We actually end on Sister Janet. Mm-hmm. So we after it. so after yes, Anastasia, we end on Sister Janet for many reasons. Um, but for me, it listen to how it begins, Master Shaman. I have come. It is preparation for the journey of Boys for Pele, of going on that journey with a shaman in order to access that darkness in her. So she is calling on not only Sister Janet, but the representation of Sister Janet and um, the wizards. And it is it is preparing us for a darkness, a spirituality, um, a, a, a trip of the mind and of the body and of the soul uh, that we get on Boys for Pele. And I feel like to have this like shorter solo moment. And she says, I think I can try this once again. Um, And it goes to that circular nature of Under the Pink. Um, And I just love Sister Janet so much. It feels like more than a B-side to me. Um, But I just think that, you know, the wing can cover all sorts of things. There is that wing in the artwork too. Like it feels mm-hmm. so much like part of the fabric of the record that it's, I see why she didn't include it and, and kept it as a B side, but much like honey, I think that in retrospect, after all these years, um, it does have a placement on the record proper. And for me, I think that it, 
is a perfect closer that looks back and looks forward uh, given what comes next. You and also asked her to play it. And I'm sure that that it's in your heart, as Alice would say. Sure. You're in my heart. It did. It that's yes, yes. I mean, and it was, that's very <laughs> that's very sweet. But um, yes, I did ask her to play it. My my beloved aunt Janet was leaving us. She was leaving the earth, and she died shortly after. Um, and I'd been asking Tori for it, and she and she said she said no. She said she didn't think she could. She didn't think she, she could said, do it. She said I have a. I have a lot, I have a, I have a lot coming and she and I have other reasons to think why she wouldn't want to engage with loss in that way um and maybe was not and but for whatever reason she did it amazing and she surprised us and she did this incredible uh improv in the beginning of it and did it influence me sure but I also don't think that what she did with it in concert matches what I think it does as the closer on the album so right. I have a very 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 special place in my heart for it um but there there's the 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 shading is different in looking at it on the record versus looking at it in that special moment last summer um beautiful and yeah that's my under the pink shall we just say really quickly our favorite can we narrow it down to one favorite moment on this record i can close yeah maddie what is it yeah it's the piano bridge of cornflake girl Mm. There's so nothing better than that piano. It, it's complicated. It's wild. It is going to take you on a journey um, in a fast car. I think um, we we mentioned earlier that we've all seen this song played, performed a lot. And that bridge never gets old watching Tori's hands go up and down the piano during that bridge, watching the joy it brings her to perform that song, knowing what an accomplishment that bridge is musically mm-hmm. um, and watching her play it. It just brings me a lot of joy and it's just a, a beautiful piece of music. That's my moment. Hands down actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes you see her, We've seen her do it so many times that sometimes you see her looking at her hands or not, and you can almost watch her um, almost in disbelief that her hands are doing it. You know what I mean? There's something about it that I think mm-hmm. is so – she knows how yeah. impressive it is. And yeah. sometimes you see her full-bodied into it, and sometimes you see her pretty like erect, stiff, like just kind of getting through it, and yet the muscle memory of it that she, that right there's something that i'm sure she she's amazed all the time that she did it and that I, and that she I, does it you know i think yeah i think she feels very satisfied and pro- very justifiably proud of herself for that piece of music it's recognizable it's one it is maybe the signature song of her career Absolutely. and and you know, it's not an easy thing to play. It's really, really hard. So well, and to I imagine lo- a time lo- when that could be on the radio too. It's such right. a it's such a moment that we'll never get back to have musicianship like that showcased. It almost feels like a very direct fuck you to the record company that wanted to take off the pianos on little earthquakes to have this prominent single be like, listen to all this piano motherfuckers, listen to all of it. It's not only a lot of piano, but it's the best of like, it's, it's like the best composition that you will ever hear in a pop song. Like it's just so, it's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Which is which is why it's great that that Yellow Jackets sort of brought it back into prominence, and you know this that that moment in Yellow Jackets did really uh, yeah get, it got a lot of attention. Um, yeah, and also it, on Beef, Beef, Beef on Netflix oh, yeah. also had it featured, which was very surprising. Um, it's having a lot of I think I think that um, I think that company that she um, that is that is. Uh, taking care of the publishing now, I think is doing some smart things with mm-hmm. getting her, getting her songs placed. And I will say for yellow jackets, I, I want to, in my, in my fantasy investigation of why Tori became a, a two time include include on yellow jackets. Uh-huh. I know Melanie Linsky is a really big Tori Amos fan. Is she? Um, yeah. Know. So I, I think I Melanie know. probably said, Hey, let's put some, let's, let's put a little more Tori into this. So Melanie, please um, at us, let us know, confirm. We're, Tell we're us going what shows to add- you were at. <laughs> yes, we need to get her on the podcast. I think mm-hmm. I think she would. I think sometime. Melanie would do it. She's I a friend. I could a- I could ask her. You know, Heavenly Creatures is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. So I'd be happy to tell her about that over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen, what is your moment? The climax of Icicle. Could have, should have. I didn't. Dude, it's just. So. <laughs> I did. I didn't. It's beautiful heartbreaking uh it feels like a it sounds like a climax and then like the retraction you know yeah it's a gross word no well you 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 got it you got as gross as you could thank you um thank you tori uh i i i also would say mine is probably from icicle though i'm probably going to cheat and give you one extra little moment that i think you'll all agree with um but for me it's the quiet and then the getting off getting off mm, while they're all downstairs mm-hmm. they're the the way like you feel like you ugh, there's no way to not get to not talk about a song about I masturbation know. but you feel like the lift of the body when she does uh-huh. that. you feel her body you feel her um and it's so for the same reasons that you described in the climax um but mm-hmm. i think that getting off getting off is such a perfect pairing of music and voice and lyric together um moving together in sync you know in sync in in perfect sync like Mm -hmm. a great climax right Mm -hmm. does like there's no way around it she's she's embodying that feeling in the song which is why this is such a special record because she embodies so many feelings in little moments like that. Matt's dying to say something. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so embarrassed that we're ending this episode talking about <laughs> getting know. off. Um, I'm really You're sorry to we're not our the one listeners. Who reco- we're not the one who recorded it. This, um, we cannot put this on our LinkedIn, guys. This is, may, <laughs> this is YouTube only. I'm a may little I surprised. Just, I'm a little surprised that you both uh, chose moments from Icicle. I, uh, that's what's great about this podcast. We learn new things about our friends all the time. Yeah. Um, We're filthy. I would have never. I would have. I would have never gone there. Really? Um, I just the way she like the way you can feel her movement and she makes your body move similar to that yeah. moment in Cloud on My Tongue live yes. every time yes. where you want to dip and you see yep. her dip. Mm-hmm. That gives me chills mm-hmm. to think about. Me too. How I, no other musician does that, and no. Nobody. those. Ugh. Mm. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's one other really small moment that that was a runner up for me. If we're going to give a runner up moment, and that is uh-huh. the uh, the the dueling choruses at the end of Space Dog. Yeah, that's oh, when I was like, 
I was like, oh, that's what a background vocal can do. It can be a co-leading vocal. I I still, I I love when she rearranges that song and plays the chorus at the beginning of the song. Um, That's a very special, the lyrics and the the timing, it's just very special. Um, My little runner-up moment that I think, that I, I wonder if you all love as much as I do. I was listening to Yes, Anastasia again in, in the car yesterday when I was working on my list. I wasn't working on this while I was driving. I was just listening to that iteration of it. Don't worry. Um, and I am obsessed with, and I always have been, but it really, something about my sound system, or just the way it filled the car in that moment, that really, really distant, um, towards the end where she says, all the girls seem to be there, that space and that, the there, it comes from far oh away and like runs up to the microphone. It feels like she's running, screaming it, saying it. The there mm-hmm. is faint, and then it gets all the way up into the mix. It's such a small moment. I get chills just thinking about it. But what a careful, like, it's just such a, like, a, like what a thing. What a thing to, like, say. And you know that she insisted on that. You know. Oh, yeah. She was like that has to come from the back and run up like, but it's part of a lyric. It's part of a phrase. It's not like, like what, a, like what a strange thing was, was her head back far from the mic? Did she do I bet, Like what was yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like it's so, but she kept it that way. She didn't fix it. She didn't, it's like that on purpose. It's such a small thing and I love it. I think it's so brilliant. I love it. I don't know if I have a, a runner up. I really don't. I just you don't have to. I'm not going to. I just Is love this, it all. If it's something about jerking off, we don't need to hear it. It's absolutely not about jerking off. Then you'll off. never hear it, Matt. I will say when I – the last thing I'll say before we close because I know we got to close yeah, yeah, is yeah. I had eaten a gummy when I was doing my <laughs> reordering and okay. I was really struggling with with uh, getting Standing the right up. songs on the – all of it, yeah. And – it kept it kept putting me in Yes Anastasia. It kept like the I must have added it like four times to the playlist accidentally or something. <laughs> and I was a little, you know, so I was like a little bit disassociated, kind of listening, kind of doing a few different things. And I kept being like, this song is fucking good. And it's like it takes you through each moment where it feels like a different song. And so I think my my backup slash appreciation is just how epic that song is. It's it's yeah. a work of art. It is also work to listen to. And I mean that in the best way. Like yeah. she's making you work. I love it. Well, on that, I think it's a perfect note to end on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, You can find us. Please find us on YouTube at Messing with the Master Podcast, on Instagram at Messing with the Master. Share your own personalized track lists. Tell us um, whose you love and whose you hate. Well, no. You don't say who no. you hate, but who you like less. Uh, but if you hate what, it, you uh, hate it. That's fine too. I just, We're not here I'm, to tell little, you how to I'm listen. Little, I'm a little too sensitive for that. I don't want hate mail. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just join us next week. Um, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for uh, indulging this wild concept that we have. But um, we love it. It's such an occasion to be together to talk about our favorite person and uh, music and. Uh, to do it together and for you all to watch and listen is a real privilege. So thank you all at five you. stars, subscribe, rate, tell friends. Bye. Let's get those numbers up, up, up. Okay. Only five. Thanks. Stars. Only five. Stars. Thanks for following. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for all the interaction. Bye. 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 <laughs> getting off, getting off while they're rolling. Singing friends, sing away. He's in my palm.
Lay your 